This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Wednesday the 19th of May. In your Squeeze today, calls for new coal, oil and gas projects to stop. A new poll shows vaccine hesitancy in Australia. Samoa's leadership shift. And the special millennials. This is your Squeeze today. Starting today, Claire, talking energy, as the International Energy Agency, which is basically the world watchdog on how we use energy, has said in a new report that new coal, oil and gas projects must immediately cease and there should be a rapid acceleration of renewable energy. That is, if we want to limit the impact of climate change. The 2015 Paris Climate Agreement saw nations sign up to a pact where they would try to get global temperature increases to just 1.5 degrees centigrade above pre-industrial levels. What all of the surveys since then show is that we're well and truly on track to go above that. And that's why when they drive towards a big United Nations meeting in Glasgow in November, there's real pressure on nations to sign up up to new targets that will really see them limit their uh, carbon emissions and greenhouse gas emissions right now. And that's why this report has been commissioned. And what it's shown is that some very urgent action needs to be taken if we're going to go anywhere close to limiting that temperature increase. Yeah, as you say, that report will be discussed at the next big climate shindig in Glasgow in November. Claire, if the world really is to go there, the report says demand for coal could plunge from 90% to just 1% of total energy use in 2050. Natural gas would drop by 55%. What does this look like through the lens of Australia's energy policies? It means a very big change and it also means the Morrison government pretty much chucking out what its current plan to do is. That's because the report says if we're going to meet net zero emissions by 2050, which is something that the world is talking a lot about now, uh, really, as you say, getting rid of those fossil fuels as part of energy generation is something that has to be done, not just for Australia, but around the world. And as a big exporter of coal and a big exporter of gas, that's a real issue for us just simply because there are thousands of jobs on the line for those exports, but also it's a big part of our energy mix. It's how we generate our electricity. Despite that, the government's keeping on keeping on overnight. The Morrison government confirmed it will spend up to $600 million on a new gas-fired power station in the New South Wales Hunter Valley. To a poll now by the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, which shows that one third of Australians, Claire, say they're unlikely to get the COVID jab. Yeah, and that survey put some numbers around what policymakers have had a sense of in recent times, which is some hesitancy around getting vaccinated for the coronavirus. What the survey says is there's doubts over potential side effects. That's cited as the top reason not to line up for a jab. The second reason is that there's no rush, people say, to get vaccinated with the international border closed for some time to come. And that's, of course, led to calls for the Prime Minister to commit to opening our international border sooner than mid-next year. Scott Morrison hasn't committed to a date, but pressure does continue. The Australian Medical Association now adding its voice to those calls. 
To the issue of getting Aussies home from India now, and Claire, as we've spoken about, some of those Australians who were told they couldn't get on Saturday's flight from New Delhi to Darwin because they tested positive for COVID-19 have since tested negative for the virus. That flight was facilitated by Qantas, and yesterday they defended their process. They did. They said that they re-ran all those tests at the same lab and they got the same result. It's an issue because that lab uh, since has been reported to have lost its accreditation. So there's some question marks about the veracity of those results. But Qantas says that it stands by the results. It will use a different lab going forward. Uh, And also for those knockback passengers, they won't be able to fly to Australia for another 14 days at least. The next repatriation flight from India is due to arrive over the weekend. There have been international calls for a ceasefire between Israel and Gaza's militant rulers Hamas for some time now, Claire. And yesterday, US President Joe Biden joined that chorus. Yeah, he did. He joins other international leaders who have called for a ceasefire. There's a bit of politics at play between the United States and Israel. Uh, the US, is, of course, is a really big backer of Israel and there's talks happening behind the scenes there. But what the international community says is that Biden now coming out out and calling for a ceasefire is quite significant and that it might actually help get that across the line. Uh, as we've seen throughout the week, there are airstrikes that are continuing between Israel and Gaza, uh, also a big day of protests with Palestinians uh, going on strike against what is happening there. The UN Security Council is meeting this morning for a fourth emergency session. To the Pacific now, specifically Samoa Claire, they're on the verge of swearing in a new Prime Minister. If so, they'll have their first female head of government. That's a big deal in itself, but also it'll be their first change of leader in more than 22 years. It will be a very big change in the politics in Samoa. Uh, her name is Fiame Naomi Mata'afa. Uh, she has really come out of nowhere. Her newly established opposition has really done an incredible job in getting uh, over the line and beating the HRPP party who have been in power there for a long time, four decades. It's not done and dusted yet. It has been a very long run counting process uh, and then challenge process, uh, but she is very hopeful of taking the reins of power. Yeah, as you say, it's been a complicated road for Mata Arfa, but one expert in Samoan politics says she could be sworn in within the week. Claire, it's pretty bloody cold where we are, and this time it's not just for us Southerners, even the Queenslanders amongst us are freezing. Yeah, you've got a tight voice, I've got a very cold nose. It's one of those things as we transition uh, into podcasting in the early mornings in May and heading forward to um, to winter. (laughs) Plenty of others this morning uh, are no doubt feeling that, and what the Bureau of Meteorology says is that there is a cold blast that's coming through it's cold air making its way up from Antarctica. It's affecting New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia and Tasmania. We're going to keep shivering uh, through some very frosty mornings, uh, some clear days, but some cold nights. As for Western Australia, it's looking wet and Darwin 32 and sunny. Delightful. That feeling you're getting is the feeling of those who live up north looking smugly at us <laughs> right about now. <laughs> Can feel the warmth of their smile, perhaps. Yeah. 
If you're born in the early 1980s, this one is for you. You've been dubbed geriatric millennials. That could be interpreted the wrong way, Claire, but it's actually a compliment. (laughs) According to one expert in digital teamwork, you're pretty special, and that's because they're the first generation or uh, micro generation, which I didn't even know was a word until this news story, but apparently Mm. it is, to grow up with computer (laughs) technology in the home. And they've also got memories of the old analogue technology, so they're not not a stranger necessarily to an old handset phone that you used to have on your kitchen bench or on the wall somewhere at home and used to have to dial people and remember their home phone number. So yeah, they're a very different generation because they do have one foot in the old world and one foot in the new. They say geriatric millennials can bridge the gap between savvy millennials and the generation above. So there you go, quite important. Roll that one out at the next job interview. (laughs) Squeeze the day, Claire, and it's three years since that day, Prince Harry and Meghan's wedding. Gee, haven't haven't they had a lot of water under the bridge since then? (laughs) Some stuff's happened. Some stuff's happened, that's Uh, for sure. The budget continues. We've got Shadow Treasurer Jim Chalmers at the National Press Club today, uh, bolstering Labor response to what was delivered by the government last week. And that's all from us. Thanks for listening to the Squiz Today podcast. Enjoy your Wednesday and we'll be back tomorrow. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. As one of Australia's largest profit for member super funds, they have a range of helpful tools, like their My Retirement Planner, which allows you to see how much you'll need for retirement and provides an easy to understand plan of how to get there. And better still, it's free for all. Read the PDS and TMD at aware.com.au.